Warning, spoilers ahead. Jason is alive. We dug up his body. I was gonna cremate him. Hold it, whoa. What's your name, son? Well, Tommy Jarvis, but look, we've gotta do something. He's even more powerful now. Aren't that... you the kid whose mother and friends were killed by that maniac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason murdered him. You've been in some psychiatric clinic ever since, haven't you? Jesus! What the hell's going on with the weather? Sorry. I didn't know you had No some... problem, Rick. I want you to meet a former resident here, Tommy Jarvis. He's got some kind of prank. Look, there's no time for this bullshit. Jason's got to be stopped. Prank, hey! Hey! Now that's what's known in the books as screwing the pooch. Iron this punk. No way. You got to listen to me. Jason's coming here. He's after me. I tried to destroy him, but I fucked up. You got that right, punk. Either you get some sleep, or I'm going to come in there and put you out. You're going to be sorry you didn't listen to me. You're going to be sorry if you don't shut up. Take a nap, Junior. Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hey. Whoa. Whoa. I'm Wayne Stellini, and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Joining me on this fearsome Friday, the one and only Kendall Richardson. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure, Kendall. Welcome back. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be here to talk spooky movies yes. with you, Wayne. Scary slashers. Scary slashers. We love them. <laughs> Speaking of, mm-hmm. which scary slasher film are we talking about today? Well, today we're reviewing one of the most significant and fan-loved Friday the 13th films in the franchise. Ooh. It's 1986's self-referential slasher, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason lives. Please explain. Despite still suffering from the trauma inflicted upon him by masked serial killer Jason Voorhees, CJ Graham, whom he killed as a child, Tommy Jarvis, Tom Matthews, is released from a mental hospital and returns to Crystal Lake, now named Forest Green, during a thunderstorm. Having located Jason's grave, Tommy exposes Jason's corpse in an attempt to cremate the killer's body. But lightning strikes, causing the man behind the mask to come back to life as a revenant. As Tommy attempts to convince Sheriff Mike Garris, David Kagan, of Jason's return, Jason makes his way to what he knows as Camp Crystal Lake, where Garris's daughter Megan, Jennifer Cook, and her friends are preparing to welcome a group of children for the summer. After Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, had disappointed fans and received some of the most scathing reviews of any film in the series, filmmaker Tom McLaughlin was tasked to bring Jason back as the film's villain. Given free creative reign, McLaughlin drew on multiple movie monster laws and introduced a number of components to the Friday the 13th narrative that remain canon more than 35 years later. But Kendall, did Friday the 13th Part 6 Jason Lives, appeal to your strange idea of entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I I enjoyed this film. It's not perfect, obviously, but, like, uh, comparing it to some of the other entries in the franchise, Mm. like, I can see how, like, you were teasing this to me as a game changer Mm. in the franchise, and I can see how that's kind of played out because this seems to be now the template going forward. Mm. This is where we get modern Jason Voorhees, yeah. you know, as we know him now. So that's that's exciting to see that come to fruition. You know, he's, he's fully realised, he's got the hockey mask, 
He's got the machete. Yeah. You know, he's just this grotesque, <laughs> reanimated corpse, essentially. You know, it's, yeah, so there's all of that mythology we associate with Jason mm. uh, is introduced properly in this film. So that was really, really cool to see someone who's obviously very new to this franchise. Mm-hmm. But just interesting in terms of the decision to, once again, we're back at Camp Crystal Lake. Mm-hmm. And once again, just for some reason, everyone just seems to gravitate towards <laughs> that specific area. Once again, as a protagonist, that's not believed. Yep. And there's just, you know, so the, it's, it's, it's like you just said, you know, it's, it's, it's borrowing tropes from different films and from its own franchise yeah. as well. So, yeah. So, but it, look, it's, it's still, you know, you take it for what it is. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad for having seen it, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. One. I have lots of thoughts on hey. Jason Jason <laughs> Six. This one absolutely is a game changer because you're right. It's how we get Jason, how we know him, mm-hmm. because before he could be injured, uh, before yeah. he could die, yeah. and did. You know, we're a little confused as to whether he did drown or didn't drown. Some people say yes, he did. Some mm-hmm. say he didn't. It depends how deep into the different theories and even just the franchise's own lore and attempted continuity (laughs) that, you know, you want to dip into. Mm -hmm. But here we've got, he definitely died at the end of part four. Mm. We didn't get him in the physical sense of part five, but we got him in a psychological sense. Mm -hmm. So that connection was still there. Mm -hmm. And then through Tommy, you know, we've got the human Jason, who dies. Mm. Then we've got the psychological Jason who traumatizes. And now we have the reanimated, the revenant Jason uh, that is here because of Tommy. Uh, So I kind of like how Tommy threads the stages of Jason together. Uh, So I think that that's actually quite clever. I think bringing the character of Tommy Jarvis back was the best decision to make. Uh, But overall, Kendall, what did you think about the way that Jason was brought back to life. Cause you know, normally killers just sort of pop up and we're like, okay, fine. Yeah. Whereas this kind of puts a bit more for lack of a better word, logic into yeah. Jason's return as opposed to he's just, well, this superhuman person, you know I mean? He was stabbed and all of these things, but he still got back up again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he's very dead at the beginning of this movie. Very dead. Yes. Yeah, very being, very much being eaten by maggots. Yes, it was great, great effects, wasn't it? Very impressive. Terrifying. Like, I stopped eating my popcorn. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should probably not do that right now. Who could blame you? Who could blame yeah. me? Who could blame me? No, look, I feel like the way they chose to reanimate Jason in this is probably the one, like the best part of the story mm. of this whole movie for me. I was disappointed, though, just in terms of, I was really curious to see where it would go from with the way part five ended. Right. With Tommy kind of going off Mm. the deep end and, you know, having the mask on and all of that stuff. Like, I was really quite intrigued by that. And Mm. I I felt like that was a really, you know, brave choice for a slasher series to make and kind of step into a psychological zone Mm. in that way and recast Jason, quote yeah. unquote, you know, give 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 it to someone else. Like yeah. have it be a moniker that is taken up by different people, maybe. Like mm. that's that's an approach you can take. And I was I was just really curious to see where that was going to go. Yeah. And then obviously, as we know, 
fans did not really. Fans said no. Fans <laughs> said hell no. Yep. To, to Tommy Jarvis wearing the hockey mask, yeah. and then we get this start of the film where it's kind of loosely said an exposition that you know mm. he's out of the mental hospital. He's got his buddy there and they're going to put an end to the Jason thing once and for all so he mm. can get closure and move on with his life. Makes sense. Mm. That makes sense. And, you know, the scene that unfolds with, you know, digging him up and, and trying to, you know, uh, cremate him essentially to, to prevent anything, you know, just symbolically just get rid of him. Mm. Yeah. And then for the whatever the, like, bit of fencing or bit of, yeah. like, the, the post po- – that, you know, becomes this lightning rod. Hey, Frankenstein. Hey, Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, I look, I, I appreciated that because for, you know, for watching so many insane things with Jason happening <laughs> over like, these, the course of these films, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously that's not scientifically accurate at all, but it doesn't matter. You're in the horror genre. Exactly. You're, you're, you're in this space where you can do that and it makes sense. All you need to do is show that, the, you know, the lightning has struck his body and the electricity was so powerful enough to reanimate him in some form. So it, it works well enough. Yeah. It works well enough. Like, I didn't come up against it at all. The other interesting thing I came up against, though, actually, was I was disappointed to see Tommy recast as well. Right. All right. Well, let's talk about casting then. Okay. So we've got Tom Matthews the Paul Newman of horror, as he is referred to. <laughs> really? Well, those baby blue eyes. True. Is a very handsome Very, man. yeah. Very <laughs> Definitely. What were nice. your thoughts on Tom Matthews overall? And then maybe yeah. we'll go into more about recasting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I liked him. I wasn't sure at first just because I was still kind of with, you know, the previous actor who played him because he, he did such a great job, I thought, of, that conflicting thing. So at the start where you've got this new Tommy and then like you have to go, oh, okay, all right, we're here now. This is the situation. It's fine. But he gives a very good performance, I think. Mm. Like not amazing. I don't think he's the strongest out of the cast. You don't Uh, think? I don't think so. Okay. I think he's, I think he's definitely up there. Like I feel like in general, this whole cast was quite good. Mm. Um, They can be touch and go, can't they? They can be As we've discussed in the past. Yeah. (laughs) We have. Yep. Um, (laughs) But but no, they were, all of them were quite good. And yeah, yeah. Tom Matthews was, um, yeah, he was very compelling as, as Tommy. I, you know, I really enjoyed what he brought to the character Mm. and how he was trying, like you really believed the sense of urgency when he was trying Mm. to convince the police of what was actually going on and his refusal to give up and to keep fighting and to bring down Jason, even if it costs him his life. Yeah. So you, you're there with him. You believe him. Mm. And his struggle and and what he's trying to do. So mm. and I, and yeah, and he 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 looks great while doing it. So yeah. I, I was yeah no, I enjoyed enjoyed his performance. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of him? I absolutely love Tom Matthews. Yeah. yeah, my favorite Tommy Jarvis. Oh, yeah, okay. I like yes. how he embodies this strength and vulnerability. Like you said, he's. Uh, you know, determined. I mean, he's oh. obviously feels this sense of responsibility for Jason being, you know, back to life. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't he? Yeah. But you know, he understands that he still needs to destroy Jason in mm. order for him to have the closure he needed. Mm-hmm. So he's had the help and assistance while at the mental hospital. Obviously, some therapy has worked, but he still doesn't feel like he's had that closure. Mm. 
I like that when he first rocks up to the graveyard, you know, we get that gorgeous audio of Corey Feldman. So it's linking them, that was you know, nice. back in together. That and I think nice. it just sort of shows that that's the moment that it's really traumatizing him. Mm. But he's also got one of the best lines in this movie when he says, uh, I tried to destroy Jason, but it all fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. no kidding, right? Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't have said it better. <laughs> but yeah, the urgency is always there. Yeah. It's not delved into very deeply, but there are the subtle hints Mm -hmm. of of him doing his research, why he's so knowledgeable about what Jason will do, Mm -hmm. um, because he has experience with Jason, but he's looking into it. We've got those wonderful little books about, you know, the returning dead and the occult and things like that, you know, from Karloff's general store, which was a wonderful nod. I I like that. (laughs) So I I like that Tommy is is still researching and, and, and doing his homework and was like, it's no good just to try to, you know, cremate him now or try to, to kill him in a certain way like I did before. Yeah. It's deeper than that, and that's where he gets the idea of having to return him to the lake yeah. in, in which he originally drowned, yeah. allegedly, or at allegedly, least had yeah. his own trauma there. Yeah. So I like that they make Tommy smart because that's yeah. how Tommy was at the very beginning with mm-hmm. Corey Feldman's performance. That's how he For was sure. in part four. He was a very smart man mm-hmm. or boy I should say then when we had Tommy in part five it was more about his strength and because I think we saw that level of trauma from part five we couldn't delve into Tommy's own intelligence you no. know again refers to his creativity yeah he obviously has this own thinking process but because he's so quiet and traumatized and just wants to be by himself and mm-hmm. trying to shake Jason out of his head that's hindering him being the person that he really is it's quite an interesting commentary on mental health mm. if we want to look at Tommy across the three films so far so to me this is a nice return to form to Tommy so I believe that he did get legitimately released from the mental hospital because we can see Tommy as he was originally or elements of that the creativity isn't explored he's got other priorities (laughs) at the moment but for me if we're looking at how the character of Tommy Jarvis has evolved over these films it makes sense. The performance makes sense. The mm-hmm. way he's written makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Tom Matthews is just absolutely amazing. I adore him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's in another wonderful horror movie called Return of the Living Dead. Oh, cool. And, yeah, so if you, if you liked him in this, you, you will love him in that. It's, oh, yeah, Not that much range, to be honest. <laughs> but it's for the genre. It doesn't require much range, let's no, be honest. Very um, true. So, yeah, so I adore Tom Matthews. And, yes, my, my favourite of the Tommy Jarvis's. Mm. Um how, what did you think though? Would um, you have preferred to mm, have have stayed with one actor over the other, or were there, okay with it? Well, I mean, look, there aren't any heavy consequences from the recasting. I don't think. Yeah. So I can live with the fact that it's a new actor because he's like we've just discussed. He does do a good job. Mm. You know, he embodies the character convincingly, so it works. I'm just a big like. I don't know. Uh, pet peeves. One of my pet peeves in film is recasting, yeah. especially in pure series. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it makes sense for Corey Feldman to be recast. Yes. Because you want to age the character up. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. But it's just, especially when you're trying to, like, it just kind of hammered home for me the fact that 
they, I mean, yeah, it's good that they listen to the audience and, and mm. change the direction. Like, absolutely, they should because they're in the business of making money and pleasing the fans. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, so it's good that they've done it in that way. But then it just kind of hammers home that they really just don't want to address part five in any way by recasting mm. the main character. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I think also it was because John Shepard didn't want to return. So it did not, uh, did not help yet. No, um, okay. So not many people, no, no one really <laughs> who was offered to come back to part five wanted to come back Yeah, right. and okay. didn't. But, uh, but you're right, Kendall. It's not mm. like they tried to persuade him. It's not like they said, we'll give you more money or, Hey, if you do this Jason movie, we'll give you two other pictures to do of your sure. choice. But that's not what the producers wanted to make Jason for. Yeah. You know, they loved them because they were cheap to make. Yep. Um, They liked getting new directors because it was a good training ground for directors. Totally. So directors didn't particularly want to come back. (laughs) You know, some did, but others didn't because they were like, well, no, training my craft and, Mm. you know, getting my skills up. Mm. Uh, So it kind of worked and well enough for people who yeah. enjoyed or got from the experience. But as a viewer, absolutely, you love the continuity. Yeah. Um, it was the nice thing about seeing Corey at the beginning of part five. Yeah. Because it, he's, he's there. He's there. And then when we flash forward, it makes sense, like you said, to recast him. Yeah. But we've at least got him there. Exactly. So we make that connection. Exactly. And then it makes sense too, like it's, it makes me think of at the start of part two where Alice comes back. Yeah. Adrian King was, you know, brought back. For the same character. Mm. And that was in a much more reduced capacity. Yeah. You know, but here you've got your lead from the previous film coming back. Mm. Like the character, yes, but not the actor. So yeah. it's just a bit more jarring. But but again, like I said, it's because Tom Matthews does such a good job with the character and the performance. Mm. It, it By the time the movie's done, it doesn't matter. No. It's inconsequential. No. And especially because we pay our bucks to see Jason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, yeah, yeah, I doubt there would have been very many people uh, annoyed by that by that decision. No, I don't think many people yeah. were, uh, yeah. to be perfectly honest. And again, yeah. because Tom Matthews did, did a good job. He and, did. And he is a, a fan favourite as well. Yeah. 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 But Tommy's also got a bit of a partner in crime. Mm. Uh, that is Megan. Yes. Not Megan. 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 Garris, uh, played by the beautiful Jennifer Cook. Oh, gorgeous, yeah. isn't she? So yeah. she's our final girl. Um, mm. Probably has the least to do of any final girls, Yeah. I would say, up until the end of the final act, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah um, very she's, true. Look, she's relevant to the plot in terms of how she connects with Tommy, mm-hmm. helps him out of prison, mm-hmm. has that wonderful car chase sequence as well. Mm-hmm. She falls in love with him about three seconds into yep. <laughs> having seen him. Yep. And love we, first yep, we establish that she's rebellious, that yeah. she likes a bad boy, but yeah. she's very quick to take to take on this just, random dude. Be- just a bit. Because he's kinda cute dad. Yeah. <laughs> but what were your thoughts on Jennifer and Megan? Yeah. I no, I liked her. I liked her. She had a great screen presence. Yes. Yeah. They had a great chemistry, mm. uh, Megan and uh, and Tommy. Um, they worked really well together. They made a good duo. I agree it was probably a bit too sudden to yeah. have her <laughs> be so invested in him when she has no idea because, you know, psychopaths can be attractive too. <laughs> Hello, Ted Bundy. Um, 100%. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, so that was interesting, but, you know, we're in a 90-minute horror film. Yeah. Barely 90 minutes, so you don't really have time to kind of – have that. So yes. you just have a little bit of flirtation and 
and again, they back that up with the fact that she's rebellious against her father because yeah. he's in law enforcement. So it all it all works. Like it works well enough. Yeah. That you can buy it. Yeah. So, but no, look, I enjoyed I enjoyed Jennifer's performance. I don't really have too many criticisms of her character per se, but you're right. She's definitely the least engaging final girl we've had in mm. this whole series. Because it's all about Tommy. Yeah. It's Tommy versus Jason. And I guess it needs to be about Tommy. Yeah. He's the catalyst for everything that happens exactly. there. But I do like that, at least with Megan, yeah, in terms of the plot, she doesn't have that much to do. No. Uh, like, you know, you could argue that if you removed her, it would only take one or two brief rewrites or a line here, there, and you've still got the same movie. Yeah. You could argue. You could. But I like that she's in this movie. I'm a, yeah, I'm okay with it. Too. And I like that you've got a female character who is assertive, who yes. is yes. strong, yes. who demands that... You know, she drives her own car. Until she makes him do it. Until she makes him do it. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't demand. She makes him do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you know, in, in a franchise that is known for its sex and nudity as much as its violence and gore, mm. she is the assertive one mm, mm. every time when it comes to anything sexual between her and Tommy. Yeah. Like, you know, driving in that car, she places his head in a particular part on purpose. And as she's driving, elbows him to make sure that his head stays there. Yeah. And some cheeky innuendo. Very cheeky. As well. But I like that. Because uh, likeable girls like Megan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do not behave that way. No, and no. that's in air quotes. Yes. In horror movies. They're the ones who are the first to, to die. Yeah, you know, like, true. you know, these characteristics. So I like that we've got a really strong female presence yeah. here. Yeah, same. And, and I feel like she compliments Tommy really well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, the, the women in this film are really nice. They're, they're sweet. They're, yeah. or, they're either really sweet or assertive. You've got a yeah. beautiful range of femininity depicted here and it's great to see yeah um so but i've always liked that about megan that she's just i don't know she's a really tough girl yeah she's she's likable as well this is is, you know the first time for a while that we've had a group of teenagers together Mm. that all like each other and get along Mm -hmm. you know we don't have anyone being nasty yeah at all you know we we had people being good friends in part one in part two Mm -hmm. and now part six so, and it's, I found it really nice to see. It was yeah. kind of a, it was that return to form about young people being together. Totally. That I really enjoyed. Totally. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think she's central to that. I really liked. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Were there any of the other camp counselors, Megan's friends that stood out to you or you wanted to comment on? I don't know. Like they all, they're all good. Um, you know, I enjoyed Paula and Sissy, Carrie Noonan and Renee Jones respectively. They were both, they were both good. Yeah. You know, they didn't have too much to do. But it was fine. Yeah. Like, they carried the roles quite well. One thing um, about um, Paula I mm. found was that she's probably the sweetest person, the yeah. nicest person in this movie. Very much. And she gets the bloodiest death. Yeah. And we can see that because her sleeping quarters are painted <laughs> in her blood. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it's a lot is left to the imagination, but one could argue mm-hmm. she has the most traumatic and violent death out of all of them, and it happens to the nicest of them all. Yeah. I like when horror movies do that. Yeah. I, there's something about, like, it, it, just in that way, it adds depth 
yeah. to the character's story. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think, you know, yeah. about the most horrible things happen to the nicest people. Mm-hmm. And you're right, they don't delve too much into Paula or Sissy, but what we get is really – again, it's yeah. like I believe that they're friends. Like yeah. I, be, I believe it. It's all believable. Yeah. Like, it's all believable. And I agree. I think Kerry Noonan and Renee Jones just do a wonderful job there. I think they had fun with it. Really good job. Tim Ridley. Yes. Yes, Court. 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 I like. I liked Court. I have a soft spot for Court. Yeah. Uh, those jeans. Wow. <laughs> Just his whole look and persona, like that bloody, just inappropriate now conversation about Native Americans in the, and about what they would do and who and with their, you know. And I'm just like, but not even the kids oh, buy it. No. I just love that. Even, it was great. Even at the time. <laughs> and he's just there, like, with his chewing gum. And he's like, yeah, or whatever. And he's just like. And he just talks a million miles an hour. He just goes. He doesn't stop to take a breath. And the kids are just like, oh, wow. This is going to be a really boring summer, isn't it, guys? <laughs> well, you've got that wonderful uh, performance by Thomas Noel as Tyan, who is the cynical kid throughout the whole oh, film. He was good. I liked him. <laughs> he is a scene stealer. Yes. I absolutely adore him. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> and, you know, you've got his best friend there, Billy, who then has line of the movie. What were you going to be when you grew yeah. up? <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I wouldn't have minded more of them too, actually. But mm-hmm. but I just love, like, Tyan's complete, like, cynicism for, like, hello, how old are you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was... That was great. Like, yeah. you know, because I this is the first time we've had actual kids at this camp. Yeah. Which is massive. Absolutely. Um, and that was one of one thing about the movie that I liked that like, oh, they're doing they're going back to camp, but they're actually doing it differently. They're yeah. actually making it the camp is open for business. Yes. You know, when all this is going on. And it raises the level of threat quite yeah. significantly. The stakes are higher the now. The stakes are higher. So yeah. So and then the fact that they actually cast some really talented child actors yeah. to play these kids. It was just great. Because, yeah, even Courtney Vickery's Nancy, I really liked. Yeah. I thought she did a very good job. Yeah, and so. she's likable. You know, sometimes, in especially in horror movies, mm. because it has to do with fear and so forth, the kids are incredibly annoying. Yeah. But, I, but I really liked her. I thought yeah. she... It was, a, it was well cast yeah. and a really good choice mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Now, some people always comment in terms of Nancy that you've got... This blonde girl who's having trouble sleeping and is seeing a boogeyman. Yeah. And that is a nod to Freddy Krueger. Oh, Because yeah. we have blonde Nancy who has trouble yeah. sleeping oh, in wow. the first nightmare in Elm Street. Mm-hmm. For the record, Tom McLaughlin says no. No reference, all, no connection. All, nothing at all. He said that the uh-huh. that she was named after his wife at the time, named Nancy. Okay. Who was actually cast as one of the head counsellors, Elizabeth. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, who okay, cool. um, tries to offer Jason money. Yes. <laughs> and after she dies, we see the um, American Express card float away. Mm-hmm. An intentional gag because Tom McLaughlin knew that there would be one person in the cinema who would shout out, don't leave home without it, which is a popular tagline yes. for Amex. Yes, and he said anytime he sat in a screening without fault, one person would at least call that out. Brilliant. And he loved it. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> with Nancy, everyone always thinks, well, you know, because you've got so many nods to horror movies as yeah. well. You know, there's a reference to 
to Sean is Cunningham because there's a place yes, called Cunningham. I heard that. I'm like, that's nice. That's and Carpenter too is in John Carpenter, yes. which was lovely. But he keeps saying, no, that's not a reference to Freddy. I like to think it is, even if it isn't, because it's still yeah. beautifully ties together. Yes, it's fine because it's not, it's not like in, in any kind of insulting way. No, it's actually, if anything, it's quite a, a lovely nod. It is. You know, I think it it's is. really good. To just own it. Yeah. Um, and look, the kids play off with their counsellors really really well Mm -hmm. i like the way that you know nancy and paula interact it's a beautiful like sort of older sister type thing yeah paula's very nurturing again makes her death all the more tragic um there's a gorgeous little gag about where um paula tells nancy to say a prayer if she's ever scared Mm -hmm. and then when nancy does so because she sees jason jason then disappears so it's like her prayer has worked yeah that's quite sweet i I think that you know, it's the lens of innocence mm-hmm. for a child and, mm-hmm. and nothing wrong with having your prayers answered, especially if that's what you're praying about. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. yep. <laughs> but all did, yeah, but I, I actually thought all did really well. Mm-hmm. The police officers in, in this film, yeah. you know, normally, you know, cops in these types of movies, if we think back to even part two, are just mm-hmm. sort of done for comedy. Mm-hmm. So while some of the cops here are made fun of, yeah. they're played straight. Yeah. And I think that that also works pretty well. Again, you sense that these cops have been working in this small town for ages, get along really well. There's that sort of respect mm-hmm. for one another. Um, David Kagan, as Megan's father, is one of the highlights for me. I thought he was really Same. good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I really, I really liked his performance. Like, he was probably my favorite performance in the whole film, I think. Right, yeah. I liked him that much. I thought, here we go. Here, we finally have a police force in this like even though they're you know doing that thing that I mentioned earlier of not believing Tommy yeah but they have reason not to believe of course him. just the way that these police officers like actually seem to make a difference or like attempt to make a difference mm. or just don't like you've just said don't come across as comedic relief mm. they're not there just to be killed you know even though they are like it's yeah. it's just you know there's just I don't know there's just something about them in, in the the performance especially from David Kagan as as the sheriff he's just I just, he just is so good and he has such a great and interesting relationship with Megan too, where he's the authoritative figure that she's rebelling against, but he kind of lets her get away with a little bit, but I I think he comes down on her when it matters, Yeah, but still there's interesting moments there. Yeah. Based on that dynamic, I imagine that Megan lost her mum when she was young. Sounds like. I would feel that because even, because she will mock him with you know if your mother was alive yeah in a way that there isn't a particularly fond attachment of the mother and not because mum was mean or anything like that but it's just because there aren't enough memories to create that fondness yeah it's almost like you can't miss what you never had exactly that's kind of how you yeah how you sense it and also because if that was also the case she is all he has yeah. And yeah. I love that when he chases after Jason as well, because he sees Jason pursuing Megan because she's crying out, that he's running goes, No, not her. Mm. I just like there's just yeah. that, you know, that fatherly instinct to protect is really sweet. Yeah. So it's one of the things that I do like about this film because it does jump straight into the action. It does. Like yeah. it like it's pedals down and mm-hmm. off we go. Yep, yep. It doesn't really take a breather. No. And when it does in terms of anything action-wise happening, there's always this element of danger or suspense happening. So I do like that. I feel like you can get away with that when you're into a part 6. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if it was like a part 2 or very earlier on in the franchise, 
it might feel a bit lazy to just go on to action and gore and stuff like that. Yeah. But I feel like by part six, if you've invested in five movies already, you've kind of earned that. Yeah, yeah. So, as a standalone, if this was your only Jason movie you ever saw, I could appreciate that it would feel underwritten in that element. for sure. Like, I do believe there are parts that could have probably been teased out or delved in a bit more. Yes. But if, as a standalone, yep, underwritten, I, I will say that absolutely. But as a part six with five films as backstory and prior knowledge, Mm -hmm. I think that that works really well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. One thing that maybe doesn't always feel like it belongs in this movie, like because the cops certainly do, yeah. the kids at camp certainly do. Yeah. We've got our corporate paintballers. Why? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not going to shit on them too much, right, because I actually do like that sequence. Yeah. And I do want to say that uh, Whitney Rydbeck as Roy. Wow. Great. If ever there was anyone... In any movie ever, especially a horror movie, that I could relate to the most, it was him. (laughs) (laughs) You put me in a horror movie, that is me. I'm tripping over myself. I'm trying to put a branch back onto a tree. (laughs) That's comedy gold. (laughs) Didn't you, though, want him to be the final boy in the end? I really wanted Roy to live. (laughs) I was annoyed because, like, I. So good. I mean. towards Crystal Lake and it just is so But it's bizarre. Forest Green. We're forgetting about Jason. It's mm-hmm. nice, clean image. Everyone knows about Jason. So all you have to do is say the word and people know. People know. But, you know, like, you know, Sheriff Garris makes a point. <laughs> that's why we changed the name. Yeah, no, so, that's but true. I, but, but let's be honest. In this franchise, no matter what you call it, people are coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can change the name a million times and... <laughs> Jason will still have his day. Um, yeah, but look, I it, yeah, it was crazy. It was a weird addition. It was almost like it was a different movie all of yeah. a sudden. So that was a bit jarring. But then on top of that, you know, because you, usually in these movies when we have these kind of left of center sequences mm. or like, you know, just outsider sequences where it's not your core cast, yeah. the acting is generally pretty bad or like the dialogue's pretty bad. Yeah. But I loved the I wanted to know what their deal was. Like they were so, all of them, they were really nice. They had great banter with each other. Um, you know, the fact that Anne Rice and his Katie was the winner. Yes. You know, and oh, women are strong women in this are, movie. They are. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm and for it. Did you love Bart? I <laughs> Not that much. The most rewarding death, let's be honest, was yes. Bart. Oh, yes. And oh, yes, Bart yes, yes. gave Jason his machete. So, you know, if we could argue why are they there, well, Jason has to get his machete. Yeah. (laughs) What can we say? What can we say? But no, they were like a really lovely addition. And like you just said, said, like just so funny. Yeah. Like it was a great spot of comedic relief Mm. in in the film where there's so much killing going on. But it was just crazy because, yeah, I just wasn't expecting that to happen. (laughs) You know, and then, oh, and then we're back into the main, you know. So it's, yeah. The kills were great though, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. They were really good. So when you had like the three standing in a row and Jason just slices, yeah. Yeah. So I think the full full scene, you actually see their heads roll. So we only sort of get that indication that he cuts their heads off. It would have been great to see if... Uh, it wasn't edited out. I, I, yep, I have 
commenting queries are coming up on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jason himself, so mm-hmm. now that paintball sequence was the first shot in the film. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So you might notice, if you're a keen observer, mm. Jason looked a little bit different because it was the first sequence. Yeah. Different actor. Oh, really? So it wasn't CJ Graham. It oh. was Dan Bradley. Okay. And having filmed him and filmed that sequence, they were looking at how he is on screen mm. and they felt like they needed to recast because, well, Jason probably had a bit too much junk in the trunk. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. They felt that maybe it was a little bit, a little bit chunky. A little bit chunky. Yeah, a little bit chunky. I mean, he's just being, you know, just come back from the dead. Can't be too full. No. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, he was so different Jason actor for wow. that sequence. But then we had the amazing CJ Graham. Mm-hmm. Had not acted before. Oh. His profession is that he is a DJ. And oh. he gets offered the role. Wow. <laughs> Whole story as to how that came about, but that doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. And he loved, loved, loved playing Jason and would have been happy to play Jason many more times after. Okay. What did you think about Jason in this film? Yeah, very different. Very different. Because obviously, you know, this is him back from the dead. Mm. He's this revenant uh, who's terrorizing everyone and anyone and everyone. You know, he carves a very imposing figure, Mm. which is the whole point of Jason. So they did that very well. He was... It was interesting his performance, like he was, for the most part, I really, really liked. I don't know if this is a bad thing or a good thing, mm. but he felt very posy at okay, certain yeah. points. Like he would be he would be moving very deliberately yeah. to form a pose that would look good on camera yeah. sort of thing, or like turning his head certain ways. Yeah. And certain, you know, so that felt a bit, and then so to find out someone who hasn't acted before, yeah. no experience in that, like he did a you know, to know that now, yeah, I think he's done a very good job mm. considering that fact. But yeah, that that was interesting. Kind of played up, sort of, for lack of a better word, campiness mm. of, of of Jason yeah. and his, you know, what kind of character he is. And but I suppose it also does kind of speak to the fact that he's, you know, half dead essentially. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Just trying to get those joints working again, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think so. <laughs> Trying to find his feet again. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, one character that I do need to talk about before we uh, move on with our discussion yes. is Martin the Gravedigger. <laughs> Bob Larkin. Yep. Bob. God, Bob. Adore him. Yeah. <laughs> Look. Yeah, he was great. He graduated high school. He, did. he earned his job. He did. He deserves it. Absolutely. <laughs> Every single speck of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun with this yeah. character, like uh-huh. so much fun. He had a bit of a bigger role in the original Vision. Okay. Not that much bigger, but right. in the original script, he wasn't killed off. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the studio needed more kills, oh, and yes. that's why we have that couple who are engaged. They uh, sort of they just come in just to yeah, be killed. It's, yeah, of You know, course. they're random there. Yeah. I mean, Martin makes sense because he works in the area. Yeah, yeah. We know that he likes a drink. Yeah. Um, so he makes sense, but he wasn't originally supposed to die in this film. He was going to live. Yeah, right. Right. But I love his death, though. That broken yeah. glass to the throat. Right. It was good. Yeah, it was done really well. It was good. What I found interesting, mm. though, from mm. a, like a character point of view or a motivation point of view, was, you know, once Jason... Yeah, kills you. He moves on. Mm. But he made a point to stay with Martin and started hacking him. 
That was the thing. And we got a hint of that with Roy as well, because we don't see Roy's death, no. but we see pieces of him yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. But he was there doing that with Martin. I found that interesting, and I wonder if mm. it was Jason connecting him to the cemetery or... Maybe. Like, I don't know. Jason's been dead. He didn't see anything, but no, I don't, but he's lurking around the area, yeah. sees Martin, would have maybe seen Martin by the cemetery. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's moved on by then. But I, I found that interesting that he does stay with Martin that little bit longer. Yeah. So I found that interesting yeah. that we had to torture poor Martin even yeah. more. Yeah. 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 But Martin does something that no one has ever done in a Jason movie, and that's break the fourth wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. To so much effect in my opinion. <laughs> I found that really effective. Yeah. Um, and it just leads in that we now have the most humorous movie so far. Like more comedy yeah. is implemented um, yeah. intentionally. There's some great gags, some great lines here. Mm-hmm. Again, we mentioned about it being self-referential as well as referring within its own genre. Mm-hmm. This would influence Kevin Williamson. Um, oh, really? And he, uh, in his writing, a little franchise called Scream mm. came and went, but you know. Yeah, just uh, a little smidge yes, on the radar. But he's talked about how mm. Jason Six influenced him in writing Scream. Wow. So, that's cool. Yeah, so for, for horror fans who've seen quite a lot of uh, horror movies and slashers, mm. give praise to Jason Six because Scream is such a great franchise. It's it is. so much fun. Yeah. And it amps up the humour more oh, than a duck than it does, PR. Yes. But everyone does who is aware of the Friday the thirteenth and Scream franchise mm-hmm. will always give a nod to Jason Six and say, Yeah, Jason yeah. Six did it first yeah. and that's where you've taken it from. But love it because of it. Yeah. Great. Do you know what I mean? No, that's and I think great. that that's great. Yeah. But did this sort of change in style and the addition of humour work for you? I think it did work for me because it's like we kind of talked about at the beginning, it's you know this is the template going forward. Mm. So this is kind of, so like looking at it from a contemporary lens, I feel like it works Mm. because these are the kinds of slasher movies we're used to watching now. Yeah. They have this meta humor in Mm. there or just, they have more comedy in general. They don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. They're they're very self-aware and all of that. And so we're just, there's a lot of horror films, especially slasher films, that are like that, where they just have to make fun of themselves. Yeah. You know? Because they are, like, so ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Like and, and that's why they're fun. And that's why they're fun. Yeah. That's why we keep going back to watching yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Know? So, yeah. So, it completely works for me. I, you know, as much as I'm, you know, again, disappointed over the wasted potential that the franchise could have gone in yeah. uh, after the end of part five, but... The fact that they've gone in this direction now, and the fact that it's been so influential mm. as well, is a testament to it. So I'm glad, you know, I think it's it's worked out very well for them, and it's makes it an enjoyable film to watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other reason that we watch these movies, and let's be honest, the main reason <laughs> we watch these movies, and just slashes in general, yeah. the kills. Uh-huh. Kendall, your favourite kill or practical effect? Okay, so can I just start this off by asking a question? You may. You mentioned it earlier in passing, Mm. editing. Yeah. Is this the actual theatrical cut of the film or is this edited for DVD that we watch? This is the actual theatrical cut. Okay. Yep. Why were all the kills edited? (laughs) And I know, I look, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Jason has come up against the MPAA yep. many, many, many times. 
I'm guessing it's them striking again. Yeah, and and uh, I think also to some stage, like the producers are also aware, <laughs> so yeah. they're like, just add what you can. Um, the kills that I know specifically that got edited was, for example, the, the three corporates when yeah. the. Uh, with their heads being cut off. Mm. Also, with Sissy, we were supposed to see her head get dismembered. Oh, okay, because they, from... they sort of show it, but they don't yeah. really. Like, you see the twist. Yes. And then it cuts. You see him carrying her, which is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> Headless, and then you see her head in the car. But we were to sort of see the, the head disconnect. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know that that was okay. cut as well. Yeah, because that was one of, one of my, I think, detractors from the film, is mm. the fact that for a film franchise, that is kind of had some really inventive mm. and gory kills over the past few films mm. to get to part six. And whilst you're moving forward in a really cool direction now mm. with your story, you're kind of, I don't know, you're dropping the ball a bit when it comes to mm. the kills, I think. This is probably my least favourite film in terms of kills. Right, yeah. Because they were so heavily edited. Yeah. And less gory. Because, you know, like, we come here for this. Yeah. This is the main event, you know. That being said... Like there were still some moments that I enjoyed. Mm. Like I mean, they did they did start the gore off right at the beginning. Yeah. By you know, uh, killing Tommy's mate. Yes. Plunging through with the heart, with the, heart the back of the oh that was great. It looked great, didn't it? It looked awesome. Yeah. I loved that. I was like, I physically reacted. To yeah. It. it was brilliant. I also enjoyed when Court's girlfriend met her face. Yeah. That was visually. Very, very impressive. Yeah, Nikki. Uh, Nikki, that's right. Yes, we see yeah. that, that that impression, the impression on the other of side her, of your RV. Her, like, like shocked face yes. going into the, the other side of the RV like yeah. that. I thought that was really, really cool and it made up for the lack of gore in that yeah. film, I think. Like, there's still creativity there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Darcy DeMoss, who played Nikki, was yeah. actually cast in part five oh, originally. Okay. And she was supposed to play Tina. Mm. If you remember, Tina had a really gruesome death with yes. some hedge clippers. Yes, I right? remember. I, have, I still remember that yeah. one. Yeah. But she got fired because she refused to do nudity. Oh, okay. Fair so enough. So <laughs> she did come on board for this film, and understanding that she would not be asked to do nudity. Oh, good. When she got on set, she was asked to do nudity. <laughs> said no. And we have a clothed sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... Also feels a bit weird. Yeah, because um, there's no nudity in this film. No, no. Which, yeah. again, is fine. Like it's I, totally film, fine. Like, the yeah. franchise doesn't need it. No. Mean, but it is known for it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we'll, as we go on, we'll talk more about sex and nudity in this franchise yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm glad that she got her Jason film. Yeah, <laughs> and, same. And I'm also glad that she didn't compromise her original stance. I agree. Um, yep. So that was really good. Mm-hmm. But what I do also like about Nikki is, again, if we're looking at the role of women mm. and we, you know, talked about Megan being quite assertive sexually, mm-hmm. so is Nikki. <laughs> you know, she was yeah. wearing court out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was really, really funny. Yeah, well, it was, <laughs> it was great. You know, and by the end of it, because Jason literally pulls the plug, yep. <laughs> you know, she was left unsatisfied. And I like that she complains. Like, I just love that these women are owning their sexuality here yeah, same. and are nice. taking control of it. Yes. Are, they're just really, like, strong women yeah. in their own right. Yeah, they're not being objectified in any way. Yeah, it's know. like it, they're, they're, everything, there's a reason and it makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, in some previous installments, it's like, oh, I'm in my underwear, it's bucketing rain, let me go to the car in my yeah. undies. Like, you know, but... There's no gratuitous there's nothing, anything. 
like that here. No, which is but great. yeah, any other kills that stood out? Because I agree with you, Nikki's is fantastic. Yeah, like I think, awesome. and just the lead up that yeah. you know the scuffle in the toilet there yeah. was fantastic. It was awesome. Yeah. That yeah. whole sequence was was very very good. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but did the poor sheriff get turned backwards? He on absolutely himself? did, and it's my favorite kill. That was cool. Yeah, yeah it's cool. and the audio on that, the yeah. back breaking oh, audio for such a great character. He got an epic kill. He did. So I, I really like that. I'm with you. I, I love Nikki's death, and mm-hmm. I love Mike's death as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought really, really good. Mm-hmm. But it also shows how neither of them have any blood. Or yeah. gore. Yeah, I love that. I was complaining about the yeah. lack of blood and gore, and these films, like in in this film, these kills are the ones that mm. kind of resonated, I guess. Yeah, and what makes them so great is the audio. Oh yeah. So they really used sound, sound really well, well, particularly in those in those ones as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of audio, mm. the one thing I'm really excited to know your opinion about is the score and music. So look, we have the brilliant Harry Manfredini returning to score i love what he does i think yeah just i mean he knows this franchise back to front he does and he does really really well yeah there's another contribution to the (laughs) score to the music of this film but kendall over to you yes yes oh my goodness Alice Cooper, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wondered if that was him because I I went in the in the RV scene yes. when when poor Nikki's being attacked and you know Court's <laughs> driving and he's like I want to rock and then we get teenage Frankenstein. I was yeah. like, oh, it's Alice Cooper. I know that, but I didn't realize until the end credits that it was you know all of these really cool rock songs were actually Alice Cooper. I thought that was really really cool surprising mm. i think mm. you know for this fran- i mean yes this franchise is very successful it's made a lot of money mm. you know it's brought a lot of attention upon itself so it, it kind of makes sense for a name like alice cooper to give his time to this he would have been um, a, he would have to have been a he fan would have had to have been a yeah because they wouldn't have offered him that much money let's no, be honest no no absolutely yeah and i always love it when musicians get involved with film like yeah. this like you know one of my favorite examples is, you know, Prince doing the Batman 89 soundtrack. Yeah. Like, that's just brilliant. Um, so to see, you know, b- before we even got to that, Alice Cooper's got a few songs in here. It's just, you know, and they, they're great. Like, it's, it's, the, it's the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's hair metal. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just excess. It's just great. And I, I really love the song at the end of the credits, He's Back. Oh, it is awesome. my one of my favorite songs, yeah. just in general. Yeah. Um, but it's also one of my favorite theme songs for a character. Yeah. I just love the story it tells. Yeah. You know, definitely check out the the video clip. You can see it mm. on YouTube. Nice. I will. There might be two versions of it. Oh. Maybe, but the, the main one is great. You know, because it does the clips from the film, but Alice is in it. Yeah. Nice. Um, and you can also find on YouTube. There are clips of Alice performing this song live on on stage, oh, great. and you know someone dressed up as Jason around the stage oh, as well. Nice. So I love that he's you know the, the the song has has a fan basis, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But I I love 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 his back the man behind the mask. I think it's fantastic. It's great. It's such a fun song. It is. It is. It's just you know it t- it it gives us a great story, like you said. Yeah. And it just really drives home the just I don't know like how cool is Jason to have someone like Alice Cooper write a song about him. And I think it really solidifies Jason's place in popular culture. Definitely. Like if you've got 
an artist like Alice Cooper mm. acknowledging and writing a song about him, performing mm-hmm. it yeah. for the film, and then afterwards, like just you know, still happy to, to sing it at concerts, for yeah. example. Yeah, the fact that it, yeah, he's not like, oh, I just did that for this movie. They they told me to do it. Yeah, it. it's like no, no, I wrote this song and I performed it, and it is my song. Yeah, and I will take it to my fans. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, and it sort of shows that Jason is mainstream. Yes. You know, I think there's, it, there's legitim- an element. Yeah, there's a legitimacy to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what a great way of saying that Jason is back. We don't have Roy Bones. We've got yeah, Jason, Jason. The one that you wanted, the yeah. one that you were asking for, <laughs> which I really love. But, yeah. yes, the, the three songs that Alice um, does in this. Yeah, they're just, great. I love it. They're awesome. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. The movie itself, you know, we talked about editing and, and chops and so forth. Endings. We've got some alternative <laughs> endings to talk really? about. We do. Oh, no. So, <laughs> the one that was in the original script is also one of the reasons why Jason 6 is one of the most significant in the Jason canon. Yeah. Because of the ending that was written but never filmed. Oh. Um, it is acknowledged in the novelization, okay. um, which I haven't read. Okay. Um, but... This is how the original ending went. And this is where our mate Martin, the gravedigger, comes into it. Oh. So, Uh if you remember, Kendall, that in part five, they're talking about Jason killing people. But it's impossible because Jason is dead Mm -hmm. and we cremated him. Mm. They said that in part five. Yeah, they they did. Yeah, they said we cremated Jason. Oh, snap. Part six comes along. Oh, snap. Jason's not cremated. No. <laughs> so now we explain it in the original ending. So what happens is, essentially after all the action happens, mm-hmm. uh, we return to Jason's grave and Martin is there. A man appears by the name of Elias Voorhees, Jason's father. What? Yes. Oh, No. And he gives Martin a lot of money. So it indicates, it suggests that Elias had paid off Martin to begin with, Mm -hmm. to bury Jason and not cremate his son. Yeah. And also to tend and look after his grave. Wow. The studio rejected it. Okay. Because they didn't want Elias introduced because it meant they felt that they would have to then acknowledge his backstory in, in a sequel. And they did not oh. want to delve into that. Okay. They've talked about other characters. We had Roy. We had, look, we don't. They wanted to make Tommy. The, they're like, no, okay. it's getting too muddled. Right. Our fans are simple folk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. We just, you know, they come for Jason. They come yeah. for the kills. Let's just give them that. Right. Okay. So Elias is erased from the franchise because okay. he never makes it to film. Yeah. But he's in that novelization. And he becomes canon in a Friday the 13th comic book series that is official, oh. an official comic book series. Wow. And in the Friday the 13th comic book series, there is a two-part story called Pamela's Story. Mm. And it's about Pamela Voorhees being married to Elias Voorhees. He is not very nice. He's abusive. So I think they take a different direction to what Tom originally envisioned, but they make him this sort of gruff and abusive character and Pamela leaves him and gets a job cooking at a place called Camp Crystal Lake um, and gives birth to Jason Mm -hmm. and also has him attending the camp with children. The rest is history. But Elias becomes 
canon, like officially through this official comic wow. book series. Now we could argue in the novelization he's canon because mm -hmm. he's there, but you know the comic books happen much later after these films, mm -hmm. and this franchise has a fan basis. So people are now invested and because pop culture is now such a big thing. Nerd culture is such a big thing. Mm -hmm. People are looking for anything. So, you know, he's officially acknowledged and embraced and is canon. Yeah. Um, but it all begins here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. So that's. That's crazy. Know, yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you ever hear Elias or Elias Voorhees. That's who he is. That's Jason, who he is. Jason's father. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So that that was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, and he has a different fate in the comics, but, okay. you know, they kept the name, which is quite sweet, yeah, even yeah. though he never made it to the screen. But yeah, I like that little nod. They're like, no, he was created mm. in someone's imagination. Yeah. We're going to take that and do something with it. That's cool. We've got the ending that we have in the film, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Jason um, is under the water. His sort of eye twitches. So we know that he is alive he's still. Alive. Um, that's the one the producers wanted because yeah. it acknowledged that he was alive. Yeah. The other two were a bit more ambiguous. So we've got Megan and Jason scuffling underwater. He allegedly dies, but then his mask floats up to the surface. Okay. So it kind of hints, oh, he might still be around because yeah. his mask is still intact. Mm. And then the third one. Which actually sounds a bit fun. Deputy Cologne, who is locked up in the cell. Yes. <laughs> Still locked there. Yeah. Poor guy. After <laughs> Tommy and Megan trick him and 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 he's out so he's there trying to reach for the jail keys still yeah. trying to get out and suddenly the police station door bursts open and then we cut so it's suggesting that Jason's come back uh, yeah. to, to finish him. But they didn't want them to be that ambiguous. They wanted it to be explicit that Jason was coming back and capable of returning to a sequel. Yes. Because that's what the fans want. Yeah. So, yeah, so they had three three of those endings. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. So I found that interesting. I'm happy with the ending they did. I yeah. really like it. I yeah, think it's, it's, it's enough, you know. Yeah. It does a job. I like the fact that he's still underwater, though. Yeah, yeah, you know, same. That I kind of, I kind of like that. While the yeah. one with um, the deputy all locked up is fun. Yeah, I like that we've got Jason back to the lake. Same. I think so. Yeah. I thought that that was pretty good. I think that's cool. It's a nice kind of full circle. Yeah, moment, sort of. I think so too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because it means that Tommy does get what what he wanted. Yeah, he gets what he wanted out yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk some stats? Let's talk stats. <laughs> right. I love them. So the budget for this movie was $3 million yeah, and its box office was 19.4 million. Wow. It grossed 6.7 million in its opening weekend nice. and it opened at number two. Oh. So it was the first of the Jason films to not open at number one. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. And a lot of people do say that it's not because of the film itself, but because of the bad taste part five left in people's oh, mouths. Yeah. So that's oh. what everyone all, like has always acknowledged. They're like number five alienated a certain group of people yeah. that made a lot of money that opened at number one. Okay. Critics hated it. Yeah. So it's kind of like Jason is trying to redeem himself yeah. here. And so he opens up at number two Okay. and it was placed at number 46 on the list of top grossing films of 1986. Mm -hmm. So as of this recording, Friday the 13th, Six, Jason Lives, scores 6 out of 10 on IMDb, 46% mm -hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes, and 92% of Google users gave it the thumbs up. Okay. It is on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Google users, 
one of the highest rated Friday the 13th films because fans do love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Kendall, uh-huh. your opinion matters more than anyone else's. <laughs> oh, stop it now. Maybe except mine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> your final thoughts and a score out of five for Jason Lives. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Wrapping up movies. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoyed it. Like, it, there's definitely room for improvement on it because I feel like the story that was starting at, like, you know, at the beginning of the film, the way it was sort of going, mm-hmm. they kind of, like, you know, it just became about Jason killing, mm-hmm. which is what these movies are about. But they don't really, you know, the plot's just super thin. Yeah. There's not really much to it. So I just, I just, it'd be nice to see, you know, some more substance and depth to the story Mm. and the characters. That being said, you know, you get what you came for, Mm. for the most part, despite the edits, you you know, you're you're getting Jason, he's back, he's badder than ever. (laughs) He's fully realized as we now know him. Yeah. And he's killing so many different people. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's entertaining. It moves well. It's paced very well. I mean, probably not the best because I I did say it felt longer than 86 minutes, but like I didn't not enjoy it for that reason. It was, yeah, it was entertaining. The performances are great. I have to shout out the fact that I spotted Tony Goldwyn in this <laughs> movie. I, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of him because this was like not long before he did Ghost. Yeah. Which kind of, I don't know if that's the movie that made him, but mm. I feel like that's one of his big breakthrough oh, performances. Yeah. Absolutely. But he's so good in Ghost. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So it was cool to see a familiar face pop up mm. here. That was nice and sad that he didn't get much screen time, mm. but he did. He did great with what he he, he had. <laughs> but yeah, the, all the you know the whole cast is is just very good. You know, to just to reinforce what you've said about the treatment of women in this film is mm. the best of the entire series. Yeah, there are these gorgeous women who you know have uh, intelligent heads on their shoulders. And they know what they want, mm. they know how to get it, and they're not afraid to ask yeah. for things. They're not afraid to take charge. They're not afraid to stand up to the men in, yeah. in this world. And I love to see that, especially in a horror film franchise mm-hmm. where you don't see that very often. So that was really, really cool to see that as well. So it's, it's yeah, not, not, not my favorite in the franchise, but it's definitely up there. It's mm. better. It's, it's definitely better than Trump's phone. Um, so I can see why the fans responded well to this, even though I did appreciate the risk that was taken with part five, the, the course correction is good. Uh, it works out well. So I'm curious to see where and how we're going to see, uh, Jason next. Giving this a score is always, always hard with these films. I'm always tossing up between what, what number fits Mm. well. I'm going to, I'm going to go three. I'll Mm -hmm. give a three out of five, I think. Yeah, just, just a three. <laughs> just made it? Just made it just to a three, made it I to think. A three. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Wayne? Final thoughts? I would have to say with part two, my favourite sequel in nice. the Friday franchise. I absolutely adore this. I love that it uses humour in a way that doesn't take away from the, the thrills and the scares yeah. in this. I think there's some really good suspenseful moments in this, mm-hmm. I like that you're laughing with the film, never at it. Yeah, true. Um, so I always enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it when when the the two counselors are in the car and Elizabeth says, 
you know, I've seen enough horror movies to know anyone wearing a mask is never friendly. Yeah, it's like, that was good. We're like, there it is. Now we know what film we're yeah, watching. Yeah, that was good. I think that's such a great line. There's mm-hmm. so many wonderful moments in this film for me. Mm-hmm. It is true. It's not gory at all. But I do wonder if, yes, we had the MPAA. But I also wonder if there was something intentional about it to make it a bit more of an old school thriller horror where they weren't that gory and it was just more about what was implied Uh and the scares and i only say that because there's so many nods to other horror movies and horror lore as well so for me it didn't bother me as much because i think i was just having so much fun with this movie and i found tom matthews so engaging as as tommy so i think he's so brilliantly cast i like cj graham in this as well i think i think he plays a great jason some posable moments but you know what kendall jason standing on top of a burning rv that still frame that was good that's probably going to be one of the most iconic shots you will see in the entire franchise because just the power of it that he did that in his reigning supreme Just love it. He comes out on top. He absolutely <laughs> does. Yeah, the counsellors are fantastic mm-hmm. here. This movie does so many things right for me that I just yeah had just had an incredible amount of fun with it. The score is fantastic. Yeah. The addition of Alice Cooper is brilliant. I'll say it again. The theme song for Jason is by far one of the greatest theme songs for any character anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it is so cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this was this was a really fun movie to watch and it was entertaining. Yeah, I just I just love this little world it's created. And I know it's an established world, but it just fits so nicely. Like everything kind of makes sense mm-hmm. for me here. Mm-hmm. I know that Tom McLaughlin had pitched a sequel mm. to this mm-hmm. and he was going to amp the comedy up uh, a bit more. And I can't remember the details off the top of my head, but it sounded horrendous. And I'm glad (laughs) that they did not go with it. Um, But he ended up, I think, writing and directing a few episodes of the Friday the 13th TV series. Oh, sure. In name only, nothing to do with Jason. Oh, okay. But so he didn't quite leave the franchise. But as for Friday the 13th Part 6, it's a very high four out of five from me. Nice. So, yes, we'll definitely revisit this again and again <laughs> um, compared to other sequels. Yeah. But, Kendall, I'm glad you got Part 6 yes. out of your system. And, I, and I'm glad you can see the turning point for the franchise here. Yeah. The ship has turned and we're sort of setting up this new phase for Jason because he is a revenant. You can't kill what's already dead. Nope. Um, so that's going to make him easier to just sort of come back to life yeah, yeah. without much rhyme or reason, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So where do we go from here? Where do we We're go? We're not giving out too many spoilers for you. Okay. But, you know, there's always they're always trying to think of a new angle. Mm-hmm. So what we get in part seven is the result of the studio's first attempt to match Jason up with another horror movie icon who was just starting out because he only had two films under his belt so they really wanted to team jason with someone called freddy krueger for mm. part seven. Oh, okay yeah as we know and this is not a spoiler <laughs> that doesn't happen no. <laughs> not for a while no. because we've got two different studios here yes but they like the idea of teaming him up with someone from another horror movie okay mm-hmm. anyone they wanted <laughs> They couldn't do. They couldn't get the rights to or they just couldn't come to any agreements or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So because it's Friday the 13th, they pick one 
and they rip them off, and we get part seven. <laughs> <laughs> so Great. Jason will come up against somebody who's going to be a bit of a challenge for him. Oh. So we look forward to that one. I look forward to it too. Right. Well, until then, I've been Wayne Stellini. I've been the Kendall Richardson. And you've just experienced Fred, Fred Watch. show shenanigans yes now let me just because i have remembered <laughs> um so you introduce me and after i say hello hello whatever yeah we both do the hellos and then i throw to you so when what are we watching yes today? that's right yes yep. so we both do the hellos yes. i do the opening yes. i'll introduce you and you can go and then I, yes, you introduce me, and then I say, what are we watching? Yeah. Okay, okay. I won't forget this time. I Alrighty. will not forget this time. Now, because I like to torture myself, I've given it a really big um, script. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yes. Go, go big or go home. Exactly. <clears throat> I say, sitting in your house. <laughs> <laughs> like when Homer has the angel. Yeah. And, you know, Lisa's being so cynical. And then Mo goes for it, go home, little girl. Yeah, and she's like, I, I am home. home. Good. Stay there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good. So good. Best. So good. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Comedy. There's a Simpsons quote for every there occasion. Is. There always is. Always. Forever and a day. Mm-hmm. I love Lisa. <laughs> She's the best. She's matter of fact and yeah. you know, 
to the point. Yes, she is. Yeah, we love her. We love her. <laughs> All, All right, right. <clears throat> let's, let's do this. Blooper reel. Despite still suffering from the trauma inflicted upon him by masked serial killer Jason Voorhees, CJ Graham, whom he killed as a child, Tommy Johnson. Let's go to the top. Yep. Well, because I always have to be clever and break up the whole flow by putting actors' names there, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's the correct way to do it. Exactly. Yes. Having located Jason's... As Tommy attempts to convince... <clears throat> Filmmaker Tom McLaughlin was tasked of... Task two or of bringing... Uh, was tasked to bring... Jason Beck. Yeah, task two, two makes okay. more sense, yeah. And it makes sense too, like it's, it makes me think of, you know, from part one going into part two, mm. you know, how, um, I've forgotten her name. Oh, Adrian King is Alice? Adrian, yes, Alice, yes. Yeah. So at the part of, uh, at the part. <laughs> Had a bit of a bigger role in the original storyboard, or the storyline, but everyone does, you know, who, who is aware of the Freddy there's a lot of horror films, especially, especially slasher. So look, we have ha we. <laughs> you know, I always fuck up your surname. <laughs> Manfredini. Manfredini. And then the third one, which actually sounds a bit fun, Deputy Cologne, who is tied up, not tied up. Cue music. <laughs> and do it together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After the show. And scene. <laughs> Do you know what I didn't mention actually? Tom um, Friedley, who played Court. Yeah. His uncle is John Travolta. What? Yeah, I uh -huh. didn't mention that. But that's a bit of trivia for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But he's not really done much. Like, I mean, he's done things, but not much. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love Court. Yeah, <laughs> so cute. Such a himbo. <laughs> Very much a himbo. Before we knew what himbos were. Yeah, absolutely. Very much. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I'm glad we got that. I can't believe it's been seven months since the last Jason film. I can't believe it either. Yeah. Cool. Jesus Christ. So it's back to back to Freddy. Back to Freddy. So this one will be also another game changer because it sort of reestablishes the series since part two got the. Yeah, got, yeah. Got knocked like, back, so it be good. Very interesting that kind of, uh, that Freddie and Jason were both at these, like, sort of crossroad moments in their franchises around the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, no, I'm excited for, for, for Freddy 3, because, um, Mike's been teasing it <laughs> to me and thinks it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very interesting one, and he's curious to hear my thoughts on it. Great. Um, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to how that. Yeah, well, I believe with part three, yeah, Dream Warriors, it's, the title is Dream Warriors. Yes. And I've seen this one, and I think I've seen it twice before, mm -hmm. and I do remember liking it. So, yeah, yeah um, I, get, good. I guess if anything, um, we'll definitely have a final girl and not a final boy, since the final boy didn't work out so yeah. well uh, for that franchise. But, Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, mm. we'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm excited. But it'll be a good discussion. Like, I think whenever, you know, a franchise tries to correct, like, I like how you said course correction, because mm. that's, you know, exactly what part six was here, mm. and this is what they'll definitely try to do for part 
quite thrilling because you know yeah. it was very there were elements that were very campy. Oh yeah, I cannot totally. get over an exploding budgie. Fuck, that was funny. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that it was, was one of the greatest fun. kills in cinematic history. Let's be honest, it was. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. <laughs> yeah, unforgettable, unforgettable. Um, 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god. I can't. Yeah, I just. I'm so glad I'm watching all of these movies. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're enduring some of them. (laughs) Enjoying some, enduring others. Yeah, yeah, is what it is. Mm. But I'm experiencing them. You are. You are. Yeah. At least now, if I ever mention one, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. I'll get the reference. Yes. 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 Very much so. Oh, there's some interesting Jason ones coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for the one where he goes to space because that I need that to make sense. I feel like it's not going to I was going to say, do I spoil it? Does it not make sense? You no, just, you I, know, think, I think I know it doesn't make you sense. You just kind of go in there accepting it. But I just I just want to know why. Because <laughs> it just makes me think of how, you know, the most recent Fast and Furious movie, they went to space. Gosh, that's a franchise we need to do. Maybe it still needs to be on oh. Furious on Friday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, we should because it's just we're afraid of what it's going to do to the future of cinema. Mm. You know what's interesting, though? Because how you, you do mention they're always at Cram Crystal Lake. Yeah. So it's interesting now when they're not in Cram Crystal Lake, yes. how you feel. Yes, for, because... For Jason going to space, right? Yeah, Jason going to space, and then there's the Manhattan one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's part eight. Yeah, that's part eight, so... Contentious? I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Like, one. without saying... Well, it doesn't spoil anything, but because you, you'll say, like, eight, nine... 10, mm. um, they all divide fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. You, one could argue, really, it starts to go downhill. Yeah. Is 9 goes to hell? 9 goes to hell, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 So Manhattan, hell, space. space. And then Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. And then the remake. The remake. remake. Oh, I can't wait to discuss I can't the wait to talk you. about it because, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've already seen it, but I'm, yeah. looking, I'm looking forward to unpacking it and yeah. hearing and also, your thoughts. And also now when you watch it, you'll um, now get all the nods to previous movies. Yes, I will. Because there'll be all these references to the, to yes. the franchise. Yes, that's going to, wow, I'm going to have a completely different viewing yeah. experience. Yeah, whether it means you like it more or less is yeah. a different story. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's just a rip-off. It's not a throwback. How <laughs> <laughs> dare <laughs> dare you indeed. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also the Freddy remake will be interesting because I know when mm. – I've only seen it once. Same, and I didn't like you it. You didn't like it. No. I liked it. So it'll be interesting to see if you still don't like it and I still like it. Yeah, or if, or if it flips. Flips or, or if I like it less or you like it more or yeah, you hate it more. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right? No, I'm, it, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that as someone who's a lot older now because I watched yeah. it when it came out and I was like what, my either late teens, early 20s and that. Yeah. So very different yeah. mindset. And now you'll also have the whole franchise before it yeah. to, to to compare it to yeah. and to, to yeah, discuss it in mm. context with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I know we're only two films in, but so far the Freddy ones are like they're good movies. Yeah, no, you they know. are. Yeah. They are. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm excited for part three to see if it continues that. Yeah. By memory trend. I think it does. But I mean yeah, okay. there'll be a point where it goes um, downhill and Mm. The one, I forget what number it is officially in the series, but it's one of the later ones called New Nightmare. Mm. Yeah, the Wes Craven came back, back for that, that one. one. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be an interesting discussion for yeah. that one too, because Wes has come back. Yeah. And what he does with it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'll be cool. Very, very cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>